0: It's an honor to bring God's Word to us today, but I've got to say it would have been worth it just to be here to worship with you. Let's thank the Lord this morning. Please be seated. I know your pastor certainly elevates and honors the preaching of the Word of God, and so... It is a blessing to be invited to bring the Word of God to you. I understand you've got a great pastor. I thought I'd better come and check it out. But have you met your pastor's wife? Now, she's really something. Amen. As I stand before you, I bring one verse of Scripture... our attention this morning. It's Romans chapter 8, verse 26, and it reads like this. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groaning too deep for words. I have discovered in my walk with God that every breakthrough I have received in prayer did not happen until I recognized my prayer weakness. Now, what's amazing to me about this text is Paul puts himself in the company of prayer weakness. As I think about the Apostle Paul, if anybody was good at prayer, it was him. There are amazing testimonies of the breakthrough Paul had in his ministry wherever he went. Despite the persecution, he saw God move. Uh, He was able to heal the sick. He was able to uh, cast out demons. He had gifts of discernment that could recognize uh, demonic interference. He could hear the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to him. Don't go here. Go here. He saw visions. He had dreams and various manifestations of God's supernatural revelation to him. Clearly, he was a man of prayer, and yet he includes himself that the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for. Paul considered himself as one who had prayer weakness. He was able to do it because the disciples obviously had prayer weakness. Uh, It was in Luke chapter 11, verse 1. It says, on one occasion, uh, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he was finished praying, his disciples came and said, Lord, teach us to pray. That was a breakthrough moment for the disciples because for the first time, Having been, in a sense, spoon-fed by Jesus, now for the first time, they're coming and asking, would you teach us to pray? It was a pivotal moment in their development. But despite living with Jesus for three years, of being mentored by Jesus for these three years, despite that, when it came to the end, they could not pray one hour. And Jesus kept coming and waking them up. Could you not watch with me one hour? So the disciples clearly had prayer weakness. Um, I discovered my prayer weakness early in my ministry. I was a pastor six months, and in the middle of the night, I wake up with excruciating chest pains, shortness of breath. I thought I was dying. My wife thought, thought I was dying. She dials 911. They rushed me to the hospital, and I w- was diagnosed with two problems. I had heart fibrillation, which is when your heart beats so fast it's not really effectively pumping blood. And the other problem was acid indigestion, uh, heartburn, uh, like um, Mount Vesuvius going off inside my chest cavity. Anybody had that in the middle of the night? You wake up with that. You think, oh, my word, what's happening? What's happening? Uh, Well, that was caused, that was easy to diagnose. That was caused because at midnight, I had had onion rings and a Diet Coke. That was not a good idea. But the other problem was, my cardiologist, after running a number of tests, said, Fred, if you want to live to be 30, you need to slow down. You see, I wanted to grow my church even if it killed me, and it almost did my church had tripled in only six months. We went from 23 members to about uh, 90 some. So it's not saying much, but I was working as hard as I could to make it happen. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, Fred, you're working too hard and praying too little. And that was a, was a breaking point in my life, but it was also a time when I acknowledged my prayer weakness as a pastor, and the Lord said, "Fred, how can you build a praying church if you aren't don't even have a prayer life yourself?" And it was a turning point. The second time in my life where this was so noticeable was in my marriage. Now I'd been married at this point for 11 years. As of today, I'm uh, this is not my anniversary, but I'm now married over 46 years. But I was 11 years in, and I was not praying consistently with my wife. Now, she was very nice about it, but she would point this out to me. "Um, Fred, I'd like to pray with you. I'd like to pray just the two of us. And I don't know, there was something in me that was like, oh, I don't know. And I would say things like, well, when we're together at breakfast, we pray. We pray at lunch. When we're together, we pray at dinner. That's three times a day. What more do you want? You know, we bless the food. And she says, no, I just want to pray with you. I said, well, three times a day. That's good enough. And then I I saw in the scriptures very clearly in 1 Peter 3, verse 7, it says, husbands, live considerately with your wives, bestowing honor on the woman as the weaker vessel, for you are joint heirs of the grace of life, so that your prayers will not be hindered. And it's clearly saying there that husbands ought to pray with their wives, that that's something to be protected and cherished. And so I I said, well, Lord, what's my problem? What is my deal? But I owned my prayer weakness. And then the Lord revealed it's pride. You see, I'm one of those guys, I don't like to do anything with my wife that she's better at than I am. Uh, No, that's not a good amen. Amen. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate that, but but uh, some things are not worth amening. <clears throat> okay. Um, uh, hopefully we'll get to some good stuff. You can certainly amen. Okay, we got a fist pump over there. Um, so I humbled myself. And I went home and I said, honey, tonight after we put the kids to bed, I have something very important to talk with you about. So we put him in bed and we sat down on the couch and I held her hand. I said, honey, would you forgive me for not being the spiritual leader in our home? And she starts crying. She says, yes, I forgive you. And it, it wasn't one of those, what took you so long? It was like she was actually happy that this moment had come. And, and then I said, and, and I commit myself from now on, I will pray with you every day. She cries some more. We hugged, we prayed, and then I felt this big monkey on my back. It was like, what did I just commit myself to? Praying the rest of my life every day with my wife. And so I said to her right away, I said, and if I forget, I want you to remind me. That felt better. Now, we're both sharing this responsibility to, to pray together. Well, I've got news for you. That was a breakthrough but it didn't come until I owned my prayer weakness. Now today, there's no one I'd rather pray with on earth than my wife. My wife and I have logged thousands of specific answers to prayer. We see answers to prayer almost every day, consistently. When I'm up against the wall, I'll call my wife during the day, and I said, would you just agree with me right now, and we'll pray right on the spot. Now, to this day, when I pray, it's shorter. When she prays, it's longer. Sometimes we both pray, so it's kind of short, long, short, long, short, long. But it's all good. If I'm angry uh, at night and we forget to pray, I'll say, you pray. Well, she's too smart for that. So she'll say, oh, no, I think you better pray tonight. Okay. So I get my heart right with God and with her, and I pray. Sometimes if we're really tired, I'll, we'll come to bed, and we forgot to pray that day or didn't have time or whatever. You pray. So one night we come home. Oh, we were bone tired, like we could hardly think straight. So we're in bed and we realized that we were both had active days and, and she hadn't uh, let us and I hadn't let us in prayer. So I'm there in bed and I go, oh, we forgot to pray. I said, you pray. She said, no, you pray. So here's what we did. I led us. I said, good night, God. That was it. That was it but we touched, we touched God. And somebody says, oh, that's just silly. You're being legalistic. No, legalism is when you don't wanna do it. This is something I committed to because I wanna do it. Legalism makes you think, well, you're more pious or more righteous because you don't. I'm not more righteous, but I am more blessed. I want all the blessing I can get. So I made that commitment. And by the grace of God, we've kept it. And I'm telling you, it is absolutely the most refreshing thing we've ever committed to as a couple. But it came out of prayer weakness. Man in the room today, I'm telling you, if you have not been praying with your spouse, own the fact that there's been prayer weakness. That is your gateway to success because of Romans 8. 26 says, the Spirit helps us, not in our strength, that's not what it says. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. And in the context here, we're talking about prayer weakness. So, if the Spirit helps us pray, I just want to, before we leave this, this is so powerful, I want to just explain the word Behind the little word, help, the spirit helps us. The Greek word that's translated helps is a, a kind of a complex word. The root word is lambanomai which means to take charge of, to take ownership of. But then there's two prefixes in front of that word, it's sun and ante. Sun means alongside of or with. The word ante means in place of or instead of. Now when you think, now we see more what it means for the Spirit to help us in our weakness. It doesn't just mean help a little bit. What it means is the Spirit takes ownership of our weak prayer lives and sometimes prays with us and sometimes when we don't know what to pray, the Spirit can pray for us. It's a powerful word picture. But now the question comes, how How does the Spirit help us in our weak prayer lives. Now, before I answer the question, I want to just ask you, in this room today, college students, business people, retired, wherever you are, how many of you can say, in my life, there is some prayer weakness that I could use help with? Can I see your hand? Now, this is encouraging, Pastor. This is encouraging. We not only have room for improvement, But we have a room full of people who are willing to admit their prayer weakness, which is the gateway to your prayer victories, because the Spirit isn't going to help you until you own your weakness. That's what it says. He helps us not in our strong prayer lives. He helps us in our weak prayer lives. So how? For the answer, we could turn back just a few verses, same chapter, Romans chapter 8, to verses 15 and 16. You see, prayer is a two-way street. Prayer is not simply us talking to God. The other half of prayer is God talking to us. So the Spirit helps us in our weakness in talking to God and the Spirit helps us in our weakness hearing from God. Verse 15 shows how the Spirit helps us talk to God. Verse 16 helps us how we listen to God. Let's look at verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry Abba, Father. Now, what is it that helps us cry Abba, Father? The Spirit. The Spirit specifically called here the spirit of adoption. But we're talking about uh, this isn't another spirit. This is the Holy Spirit. He is the spirit of adoption. Now, when the, the, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness talk to the Father, what the Spirit does is enable us to cry, Abba, Father. Now, the word Abba, most of us know, is actually an Aramaic root. It's the same in Hebrew, but it's the first word that a baby makes uh, in in that context. For us, it's dada or in some rare cases, mama. And why is it kids always say dada first? I don't know. It's usually that way. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the, the parents egging them on, dada, Dad, Dad. This is what the Holy Spirit does. He eggs us on. He loves to hear us say his name, Abba. Now, dada requires two syllables. And Abba is, is you could say two syllables, but it's easier, and I'll tell you why. The first noise that comes out of the vocal cords, the easiest sound is ah. And all you have to add to that is the close of your lips once. "Ah, Ah-ba. That's it. It's the simplest formation Of a full word beyond a sound. Ah is a sound, but ah, bah. And the Spirit gets us to say from deep within us, down where we're born again, to say Abba. Now, I always thought that this verse was only for brand new Christians. I always thought, well, you know, when you're born again, you cry Abba, but then you grow up and you you don't say Abba anymore. But that's not what this says. It does not say, uh, and by him we cry, we cried, past tense, Abba. It says by him, we cry continuously. And what we've discovered is that The same Holy Spirit that enabled you to become born again continues to encourage you to talk to the Father like you are His child, because you are. It's the headwaters of all true prayer. In fact, the longer you are a follower of Christ, the more endearing the name Abba becomes. You become, as you mature as a Christian, less childish, but more childlike. Childlike, as in spontaneous. The, the longer I follow Jesus, the more spontaneous I become. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit is not limited to our little rules, our little regulations, our little formulas. The Holy Spirit has unlimited potential of, of the ways that we can address the Father, the way we can learn from the Father, hear from the Father. He has unlimited ways. And the more young, the, the, the longer we follow the Father, the younger we become. It's true. The more we use Abba, not the less, because we are being renewed day by day. In fact, I've discovered as a pastor and as a prayer leader around the world that the longer I follow Him, the simpler everything becomes, the simpler my prayer life becomes, the more spontaneous and the more faith filled with wonder. God warned me a number of years ago, Fred, don't ever allow prayer, what you go around the world to teach, don't ever allow it to become commonplace. I said, Lord, I felt it like a warning. I said, okay, Lord, I don't do that, but how do I guard against it? He said, let me reparent you. I said, that sounds good. I don't even know what it means. And he took me to Romans eight fifteen and 16, and he says, just as The Spirit first allowed you and enabled you to call me Abba. I want to continue to reparent you so that my time with you is more precious every day. That you can sit on my lap and get next to me in the intimacy of your walk with me by his grace. Hallelujah. But this is only half of it. Not only does the Spirit work within us to call him Abba and to reparent us in the middle of our prayer lives, he also enables us to hear God. Verse 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Now, bear witness is a fancy way of saying talks to us. He tells us that we are children of God. Now, believe it or not, verse 16, it's one of the shortest verses in the book of Romans, but it answers the three major questions about how do you hear from God? This is the biggest question I'm asked as I travel around the world and teach on prayer. How do you hear from God? Well, this this verse answers that question. It answers the question, first of all, how does God speak? And the answer is, he speaks by his Holy Spirit. You see, yes, God speaks primarily through the scriptures. That's true. But what is this? This is the sword of the Spirit. And it is perfectly possible to be a student of this book and yet never hear from God if the Holy Spirit isn't taking the words of this book and speaking them to your spirit. The only way to ever hear from God in the Bible or outside the Bible is by the Holy Spirit. Now, what does the Holy Spirit primarily do? What is His function? This is important. The primary function of the Holy Spirit is to glorify Christ. It says that at the end of... Uh, the Gospel of John, verse uh, chapter 15, it says there that he, the Holy Spirit, will glorify me. And in chapter 16 of John's Gospel, it says he will take what is mine and make it known to you. So follow this. Sometimes we as Bible-believing Christians can be afraid of the Holy Spirit. My my friend, we are not we are not the monotheists who only accept that there is, is a deity who is singular in personhood. We are Trinitarian. The scripture teaches Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Now watch this the Holy Spirit glorifies Christ. Christ takes us to the Father. You know the scripture, John 14, 6. It says, no one comes to the Father but by me. So the Son takes us to the Father. And what does the Father do? He gives us the Holy Spirit. And what does the Holy Spirit do? He glorifies Christ. And what does Christ do? He takes us to the Father. And what does the Father do? He gives us the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit do? He glorifies Christ. And what does Christ do? He takes us to the Father. No, it's so simple and yet so profound. But when it comes to our weakness, it's the Holy Spirit who helps us in our weakness. Because ultimately in prayer, what we want to do is connect with Christ and for Christ to take us to the Father. And that's why the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. The Holy Spirit is the one who speaks. Now, verse 16 also answers the question, how do we hear him? And it says, the Holy Spirit bears witness to our spirit. So where do we hear him? How do we hear him? We don't hear him with our audible ear, our physical ear. Rarely does anyone, even in history, rarely does anyone hear the audible voice of God. But... All the time, what this verse 16 is saying is the Holy Spirit is talking not to our physical ear, not even to our soul, that's our mind, will, and emotions, but the Holy Spirit is speaking to our spirit, deeper. Now, now this is so powerful. So inside us is where God is talking. Why? Because it's inside us that's born again. What's born again is not your body. That's not going to be glorified until the second coming of Christ. The dead in Christ will be raised. It's not your soul. Your soul's in a process of being sanctified. But what's born again is your spirit. Your spirit is born again. And that's why God speaks to what's born again inside of you. He speaks to your spirit. But what does he say? What he says is, and and it's right here in verse 16. The Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. That's what he talks to us about. Everything, in a sense, we could say, to simplify it, everything the Spirit says to us is about being his child. Now, this is so powerful. The fact that we are his child, what what this means is, just as the father spoke to the son by the Holy Spirit at his baptism. When you are born again, the same father now speaks to you by the Holy Spirit about you being his child and the same three blessings the father spoke over his own son, he now speaks over you. And what were they? You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. What we've come to see is this is the blessing of acceptance. You are my son. The blessing of affection, whom I love. The blessing of affirmation, with you I am well pleased. And so when God speaks to you, he he says things like, you're my child. You belong to me. I'm looking out for you. I will never leave you or forsake you. You are mine. You're never alone. When you went through your divorce, when when your child died in an untimely time and, and you went through that heartache, I did not abandon you. I am with you because you're my child. You're my son. You're my daughter. That's what the Spirit is saying to you. And I love you. Nothing can separate you from my love. That's what the Lord's saying to you. And then when you begin to serve and you become active as a, as a follower of Christ, the Holy Spirit is full of attaboys. You, with you, I am well pleased. I appreciate your service. I appreciate the way you're working on your marriage. I, I appreciate your hard studies in, in your school. I, I appreciate the integrity with which you conduct your, your, your business life. It's full of well done. Now, when, it, when you, you say it that way, doesn't it make more sense in how God speaks? You see, so often we come to God and we want like, what stock should I buy? Uh, what, what job should I transfer to? We, we want these, um, make us successful prayers. But, but that's, it, do, we, it doesn't say he talks to us about that. What he talks to us about is, is being his child. Does this make sense? Now, when I put it this way, how many of you can say, well, when it comes to hearing God tell me he loves me, when it comes to affirming that he'll never leave me or forsake me, that he's been with me through all the ups and downs of life, how many of you can say I've heard God? This is remarkable. That's the Spirit of God talking to you. But now, there's one piece that we've left out. And it's the first half of verse 15. And verse 15 starts in the negative and it says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. And what is that spirit of slavery? Spirit of slavery is, we're not really in, in our culture today. Fortunately, we're well beyond that of slavery but but what was the context then well those those who had nothing sometimes sold themselves into slavery orphans were all all became slaves it was a, a culture the city of ephesus had about between 70 and 90% of their population back then were slaves so it was a common term but i want to just say what this means is this spirit makes you feel like you own nothing, like you are not free, like you've got nowhere to call your own, that you do not belong, you are unloved, unwanted, and really under a curse. In fact, this spirit that, that, that we're talking about in the beginning of verse 15 is the antithesis of the spirit of adoption. It is the spirit of adoption that says, you belong. But this other spirit, we could call it an orphan spirit, is one that says, you don't belong. God may hear other people's prayers, but not yours. And and there's really a spirit of rejection instead of one of acceptance. You are my son, you are my daughter. Instead of feeling affection, it's like we're, we're left out of God's love. He may love others, but but he was absent when this happened to me. This was an unloving moment in my life, and I and I hold God accountable in bitterness confessed her, I deserve better. That whole thought, I deserve better, is one of an orphan. And the worst part of it is instead of the affirmation, with you I am well pleased, there is almost a condemnation of you need to do more. You need to earn God's favor. If you don't work harder, you're, you're not going to have anything. You have to strive to to get ahead, but but the spirit of adoption is the exact opposite. Now, the, the amazing thing is this spirit of slavery or this orphan spirit is one that inhabits the prayer life of religious people. It is the antithesis of the Holy Spirit. And it is the the number one enemy of a thriving prayer life. Now, having ministry all over the world, we find this from those with Catholic background, those with Orthodox background, Those from Muslim background, those from Buddhist background, those from Protestant background, um, those from Baptist background. Yes. You see, if you've been a Christian a while, I guarantee you this this other spirit has tried to, to take over your prayer life because it will completely shut it down. And if you are in a place where your prayer life is pretty much shriveled up, that that you have an occasional help and not much more. I'm telling you why. It's right here. And God today wants to break that off of you. You are not an orphan. You are a child of God if you're born again. If you have trusted Christ, he wants you in your prayer life to receive this Holy Spirit of adoption. And daily, he wants to say to you, you are mine. I love you. With you, I am well pleased. But it so often starts with breaking off this orphan voice. Now, when we're talking about this orphan voice, I just want to make it more personal. I want to ask you a question. When it comes to your prayer life, how many of you have had the thought go through your mind, God answers other people's prayer, but but he's not going to answer mine. How many of you have had that thought? "Uh, Some people are good at prayer. I'm just not, not any good. I'm just, I'm just, I'm never going to make it. That obviously is not the voice of God. The, the voice of God, the spirit of God is a praying spirit. And that spirit lives in you. So if your prayer life is dominated by, I can't, I'll never make it. You're listening to the wrong voice. And today we want to break that off. Would you stand with me right now, please? I want to move us toward Engagement. Now, before I leave us, lead us in prayer, I'd like everyone to stand, please. I want to ask you a question. When it comes to this other voice, your prayer life is shabby and it's never going to change. Or the thought, I deserve better. God was not there when this happened. Or the thought that he loves others more than he loves me. How many of you can say, I have recognized in my life the voice of the orphan? I want to see your hands. Let me see your hands. Thank you. What you're admitting to is a prayer weakness. Father, this is a holy moment. Lord, it's not my preaching. But it is your word and it is your spirit that can give a group like this the vulnerability to humble themselves almost unanimously and to say, I have heard that orphan voice that makes me strive or feel like a loser in prayer. Really a hopelessness. Father, thank you for loving us enough to reveal this, And for loving us enough this morning to point this out to us so that the truth can set us free. Father, thank you for sending the Holy Spirit who helps us in our prayer weakness. My friend, if you're in third grade, or you're 93 or anywhere in between. For the rest of this prayer, I wanna ask you to do something. I'm only gonna lead us for two or three minutes in prayer here. But if you can say, whether you're a child, college student, young adult, middle-aged, older, no matter where you are, if you can say, I have prayer weakness and I want Holy Spirit help. Would you just raise your hand right now and keep it up during this prayer. Just keep your hand raised as if Lord call on me today. Just keep your hand up all across the room. Lord, I have prayer weakness and I want Holy Spirit help because I want to love Jesus more. And I want Jesus to take me to the Father so that daily from my innermost being, I will cry, Abba, Daddy, Daddy, that my time with you will be more lovely every day. I stand before you. Just keep your hand up. So right now, pray this prayer with me. Father God, right now I break off that orphan voice in Jesus' name. I break it off. In fact, just take that hand and like hit your shoulder like you're swatting off dandruff. Just just say, I shake off, I break off that orphan voice. No more. I don't take that anymore. It didn't come from you. I don't want it in Jesus' name. Now get your hand back up again. Father, right now, I affirm that because I'm born again, I have the spirit of adoption. I have the Holy Spirit of prayer. The Lord, I'm a candidate for you, your help, for you to come and take charge of my weakness in prayer and develop an intimacy in my prayer time, whether it's five minutes a day or an hour or whatever it is, that in my weakness... You will help me talk to you and hear from you. I receive your help this morning. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, I just loosen this room, the blessing of the Lord, that each one would... Uh, hear you say, I love you, you're my daughter, you're my son, with you I am well pleased. That Father, that that those who felt on the outside looking in would know the 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 the, the gathering of the Holy Spirit to meet with you in prayer. That the mystique of prayer would be broken off. That the, the, the that even the, the the religious nature of prayer Even our formulas, our laws, our rules. Uh, Lord, you have so many new things to give to us as a people. We want you to do that. And Lord, thank you that every believer is a praying Christian. Every home is a praying home. Lord, to, to ignite prayer in marriages... And throughout the life of Prince Avenue, fill this place to make it your house of prayer. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to this sermon. May you trust and follow Jesus more and lead others to do the same. For more information, visit us at pabc.org.